You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. Whippa! What up, man? This is your boy, Al Mega. Welcome to a brand new Comic Crusaders podcast. Welcome one and all. So happy to have you because today we got two shiny stars in the comic book industry. These guys are just superstars in their own right and future legends. So you better enjoy them while we have them, guys, because they're doing incredible work, kicking ass, taking names. This is what they do. Let me bring up first an amazing writer, author, screenwriter that's just all over the place. If you have not seen a book with this man that you just got visiting shops for reading enough. You must be nuts. How can you not see this man's work? The one, the only, Kevin Scott. What's going on, brother? How you hey. doing? I'm okay. How, how are you? I'm doing excellent. Thank you. And let me introduce next up. He's an amazing comic book artist, illustrator. He surprised the crap out of me when he spoke to me in a way like, oh, really? This is awesome. Now I'm even more happy to have this man on, like, inspired, like, we're about to have a good time with the very talented, the one, the only, Nick Brokenshire. What's going on, brother? How you doing? Buenas tardes a todos. Como hey. están? <laughs> Man, when I saw that name and he spoke to me at that, I said, oh, snap. I would never. Awesome. This is great. And explains a lot, especially when I read this wonderful <laughs> new book you guys have. I was like, yeah, well, this is a this Latino. Latino is here. And, and the verb is. I'm like, huh? Wonder, wonder where Kevin got this from. Now I understand. <laughs> Entiendo. Muy bien. Excellent. Right, guys, so before we get into that incredible book that's dropping on this right next month, it's a month month away, all right, right before the holidays, we're going to get this dope mm-hmm. book that's really going to be a great gift, too, to give to the geeks in your life. You know, one of those last-minute gifts, you visit the shop, you get this, that's the diamond code right there. Go to your retailer, LCS, right now, give them that code and tell them you want Dead Seas, all right? Get all the covers, everything. Everything's going on. So check it out, folks. That's what it is. Let's start with some origin stories. So let me let's first start with Mr. Uh, Kevin. What's up, brother? Let me know mm-hmm. where are you OG from and what was your first taste and love of fandom? So I'm from the UK, as you could probably guess from my accent. I'm from the, the southwest of the UK. I got into comics through British comics. Um, British comics back in the late 70s, early 80s were largely humour titles and they were weeklies and they were full of different humour strips. But then from that, I started to pick up things like 2000 AD with Judge Dredd. Um, Marvel UK published a hell of a lot of stuff in the in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, and they also published things like Star Wars Weekly and Transformers and the real Ghostbusters mm-hmm. later on and all things like that. Um, but what got me really into being a comic fan was picking up a comic, a copy of DC Comic Presents. Um, and it was the first ever appearance, I didn't know this at the time, of the new Teen Titans. It was a, oh. I only picked it up because it had Superman on the front cover being killed by a planet of kryptonite, which was being created by the Green Lantern. I had no idea who the Green Lantern was. We didn't really get DC Comics over here. You know, I only knew Superman from the films and cartoons. Um, and that's what got me walking through a, a door of a, a comic store to find out more of, you know, more of these of DC superheroes. So that was my, my way in, really. Oh, excellent. Did you have a lot of comic shops around the way growing up? 
No, not really. And we had one in Bristol. It's called um, Forever People, and it was it was the only one, you know, a traditional grotty little but wonderful comic shop because um, the rest of the stuff kept, was just in the news agents on the newsstand and so okay. um, but as I said you didn't really get American books um, just in the newsstand you got re- UK reprints and there was loads of Marvel but no DC at all check that out about you need that origin story where you OG from you know that background and uh, your first taste of fandom I um I'm uh, I'm of of a uh, of a mixed up racial background. My mother's from Colombia. I was born in Venezuela to a British parent. Uh, my dad's from over here, and then I was raised in Scotland. I had Irish grandparents. Oh man, <laughs> all over the shop. Um, <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah. So my see. So my first my first six years I spent in Venezuela watching. Ultraman, Meteoro, um, all the all the all the cartoons, Batman, the black and white Superman, um, and then um, and then when that came when we came back to the UK, it was like Kevin, uh, all the British comics. Um, 2000 AD was big in my childhood, um, and uh, well, we all the humor comics as well. Um, and uh, it, there was a relaunch of a comic called Eagle, which was a, a big British magazine. Eagle, okay. And in, in the er, in the early eighties, that had a big impact on me. Um, and then in the in the mid eighties, late mid to late eighties, that's when we in Aberdeen in Scotland, where I grew up, um, that's when we got our first comic shop. So I found that, and that's first. when I discovered all the all, yeah the first wow. one. And uh, that's when I discovered everything else. That's when I just just in time for Watchmen, Dark Knight Returns, all mm-hmm. that stuff. And that's when that's when so, mommy knew where to find you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, cra- it's crazy to think. It's crazy that we really didn't have that kind of culture when we were growing up at all. I remember. I remember going yeah. to London. My, so my family from London used to go to London onto Denmark Street and see Forbidden Planet, and it just seemed the, the most exotic place in the world. And I used to <laughs> nag my parents to let me go into Forbidden Planet. Um, and they hated it. <laughs> they hated every minute of me being in that <laughs> really? shop. Um, and again, it was like the combination of that and, and go and the, the one in the one in Bristol. Um, yeah, they just seemed like the most the most wonderful place because it was like nothing that, you know, we had. Um, and comics weren't the same, you know. And all the, the comics yeah. were full of um, ad for adverts of stuff I didn't know, like M and M's. What the hell were M and M's? It was a candy <laughs> that didn't melt in your hand. And I was like, and, and the, the M and M, you know, the little M and M people. We didn't have. M&Ms. I must add, did you beg your parents for M and M's? No, we didn't have M and M's. You couldn't get them. It was just like it was a that was a completely alien thing. So yeah, and all I used to, so I used to pour over the adverts in the comics, and obviously you get the stuff in the back as well for all the different things yeah. you could send off for. And um, every issue I picked up, it seemed to be because there was a house ad for like, you know, like picking up early DC stuff. I didn't have a clue who half the Justice League were. I had no idea who Flash was. And then there was stuff like the Bat for like Warlord. And I was like, who the hell is that dude? And so it was um, <laughs> everything I bought at the time, it seemed to open up a doorway to something else. Um, oh, that's yeah, great. it was crazy. So now I need yeah. to know, because uh, it came up, when was the first time you tasted them? <laughs> 
<laughs> I can't. I don't really know. I mean, I think I think they probably arrived in the UK in the sort of like in the mid eighties or the late eighties or something. But um, but yeah. But then <laughs> it was it was the weird thing is that American candy and British candy, and this is a conversation I have on Twitter a lot. Um, I'm a real you know believer in in that British chocolate is the only real chocolate, and American chocolate is you know it's it's there. I, I admit <laughs> it exists, but but um, I can't quite. <laughs> bring myself to eat it but i mean again they used to be so different and now it's all sort of merged we used to have marathon bars and they became this is a really weird thing for us to be talking about and i can't make it <laughs> but we used to have american marathon bars which were snickers and then they all became snickers and there was outroar that you know why are marathons now called snickers you know and all oh, and no, local fruits funny. became uh, yeah it was really it was really weird and now so there's not much difference now um but yeah growing up that it, was... just, it, it seemed crazy Kevin, that was the that was the beginning of globalization. Marathon, marathon turning into Snickers. How about I know that? McDonald's arriving and you know, Wimpy yeah. going, you know, and yeah. um, and Burger King arriving. And what the hell's that? Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> yeah, the eighties were a wild time. Wild. You know what? Oh, yeah. I, I smell a story there uh, of how superheroes' <laughs> weight change began to change when all the things started coming over to the UK. Superheroes began yeah. to get out of shape. <laughs> you know, you know, speaking about like uh, you know the changes in the eighties, I remember, like, you know, Kevin is saying we didn't we didn't have loads of Marvel and DC comics in general unless you had a way of finding them prior to like the mid eighties. And I remember when when our shop first uh, opened up, I walked in and and I, I soon became I soon realised that I, I was out of my depth. And and uh, and I said to the I said to the guy, um, I said, listen, what what should I buy? You know, like I I don't know where to start here. I know I know bits and bobs, but I, I don't know where to start. And he just he pulled out Watchmen one, you know, and, and he said, <laughs> buy that, you know, and uh, and then he said, oh, and then take this, and he gave literally gave me Watchmen, Dark Knight Returns, and uh, and well not you one, but like in, is it? No, yeah, that was those oh, were wow. like very early comics for me, and yeah. um, and uh, he he was saying to me, I remember him explaining to me like to to look out for all these little symbolic things like the smiley face, mm. you know, throughout the thing, and he kind of explained how to read Watchmen to me when I was you know a kid. But, I, know. Uh, I don't know if you so there was um it was it became a real real thing because like Lenny Henry who was a comedian over here used to have the Lenny Henry show in the eighties which was huge. I, I guess a lot of Americans won't know who he is, but he's in the new Rings of Power show. He's like the Hobbit wise man, you know. So, okay. but he was a huge comedian in the eighties, and he used to do this character called Delbert Wilkins. And one episode of that, <laughs> he became the Green Lantern. And the next day at school, or a character was obviously the Green Lantern. Um, <laughs> no one knew who the Green Lantern was except for me because I picked up that comic. That, that, that <laughs> so for one second, I became the coolest dude in the world because I knew who Lenny Henry was pretending to be on the Lenny Henry hey, show. Do you not know who that time. is? Come on. Yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, I know, he, it was crazy. Cav had his swag on that day. All right. So you <laughs> know, talking about this, then in school and all that, did you guys have a tribe growing up, a group of kids, or were you kind of lone wolf in your passion? So I'll go with, start with you, Nick. I am um, <clears throat> not not a comics tribe. I, I I was in a I was in a in a rock tribe. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, so like, you had long it, hair it, back it, then and everything. Yeah, sort of curly hair, but like my um, 
we like it was a time when uh, we had uh, like three three social tribes in our school we had mods which are which were you know people that liked the jam and the who and wore green parkas we had casuals who were like into football wore like super super you know trendy clothes and had flick hairstyles and then <laughs> the, the greasy the greasy rockers which were me and my c- couple of pals who wore leather jackets and denim and uh and that was it but not 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 a comics based tribe not that came later okay okay what about you Cal? same situation a little bit i mean oh yeah music was huge but i think for, it was more tv show stuff so i was a huge doctor who fan and i was a huge star wars doctor who star trek but doctor who again was massive back then and then it became you know it's sort of like towards the late 80s it started to fade away but it was um there was still a really strong group of fans and so yeah i was a member of the dot two fandom um and football i suppose soccer it was the you know my local team bristol city for its sins um and i'm still there um but it's yeah it's, <laughs> it was and yeah, then then, then, to go, he took a deep breath and I'm still there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's um, and now my kids are, are Bristol as well. One of my kids is a Bristol City fan, and I'm so sorry for her. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's, um, yeah. So it was Doctor Who was, a, you know, and then again through Doctor Who, like sending going sending off for fanzines, you know, proper old school fanzines. And the first oh, things okay. I ever wrote were in fanzines, and and again there would always be something that you'd you'd send off for a Doctor Who fanzine. It would arrive photocopied that someone had put together in their, you know, in their bedroom, pasting <laughs> it all together. And then it would usually cover something else, you know. So you'd start hearing about these other things that, you know, people were talking about. Yeah. Which, I mean, fanzines are the early YouTube. They're the early internet, you know. They're, oh, oh, they're yeah. where people try, you know, created fandoms. And so I was, I used to love those whenever something arrived in the post. Um, and I started, let's say I started to write fan fiction, what's now called fan fiction. Um for those kind of things, like crossing over dreadful things that crossed over Doctor Who and Batman. I, I was obsessed with that. Because <laughs> um, obviously those two characters worked so well together. Um, and yeah, I, I was I always used to write mashups for these things. So it was always Doctor nice. Who and something else. Doctor Who and James Bond, Doctor Who. And, which sort of explains a lot about my career now, to be fair. <laughs> too fine, too fine, too fine. So, when is it, so was that the, the, the creative spark? When, that, that made you take it serious? When was that? How old were you? Uh, you, said, you know what? Let me do this on some real business now. Well, I wanted to be a... Because I was obsessed with Doctor Who, I wanted to write Doctor Who. But when I got for a uni and all that stuff, Doctor Who was dead. It was gone. And and it was, you know, it was before the new series came on, which isn't new anymore. It's now 17 years old. But, you know, it's... um. So I, I became a journalist. So I became, yeah, a magazine journalist. I was like writing yes, for computer game uh, magazines and tech magazines because I got that bug of writing for fanzines. Um, okay. And I didn't really know how to do anything else. And so, yeah, so that's what started me off. And then around the late 90s, again, it was Doctor Who. There was Doctor Who was dead in the water. The BBC licensed it off. <laughs> to someone for like a couple of quid um, to do audio dramas, radio dramas of it with the original cast and all the original cast Mm -hmm. signed up. It was mad because they were just, these were just little tiny, you know, um, a little tiny company doing these. And I would, because I'd been part of the fandom, I knew people who were involved and I sort of got my first gig um, through the slush pile of those sort of writing these radio dramas. Check that out. Oh, cool, cool. What about you, Nick? Man, why don't you get that first creative of a spark and break? 
Wow. I actually, I, I came quite late to the game because... Um, late? What's was, late? Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I mean, I actually, I actually didn't, it, it didn't even occur to me that I could be a comic book artist until late in life, until like my late 20s, early 30s. Because oh, wow. like uh, I grew up in a rural part of Scotland on farms working and uh, and then at 16, I, I, I was working at 16 in just man- manual labor jobs and stuff like that until I was about 26. And uh, that's when I decided I probably ought to go to college. So I, I, I did everything late, you know. And so I went to college and uh, and uh, did a, an illustration course at university, came out of that. And then I did training as a teacher and became a teacher. And so I, okay. I became a high school teacher. Uh, so well, I, high school, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. So um, so basically, like throughout this whole time, you know, always a comics fan, always drawing. But it wasn't until, you know, I I was well into my teaching career that I was like, why am I why am I working so hard at something that I don't really enjoy? Um, why don't I put all this effort into something I like? And that, that's when I decided to pursue comics. And um, also, I'd been a musician, so I, a lot of my efforts had gone into that. Um, so it wasn't until I was about 36, 35, 36, that I decided even oh, to do shit. comics wow. in the first place. Yeah. So I, I, I kind wow. of came to it late. Wow, yeah. well, late than never though. There we go. You yeah, know, right. You took the dive, and, and, and you've been you, you've been smashing it, kiddo. <laughs> Real, <laughs> thank well, you. Great job, man. Thank, thank, thank you for for taking a dive. Uh, we, we comics appreciate it. So, all right. <laughs> thank so, you very much. You know, we need to know here. There's a story of the bromance now. How did you guys meet? Who wants to start this off? It was in a bar. Um, no, well, actually, we did, we did first meet in a bar, but uh, a convention. Um, so, yeah, I think we've both been working on Star Wars um, comics uh, for IDW, um, for Star Wars Adventures, and I do a series of, of Halloween specials called the Vader's Castle series, Tales of Vader's Castle, Return to Vader's Castle. And I think Nick, that was the first time we worked, We actually worked together was on one of those. Um, the, yeah, the we... We'd appeared in in because Star Wars Adventures were always two stories in one mm. uh, in one yeah. issue. Then uh, we we often were paired, and uh, and that's how I that's how I kind of got to know Calvin. So I was mm. I, I I think I reached out to you and said hi, you know, because mm. I because I'd seen that you were. They always used to put your stories before mine. I was like, who is this guy? You know, <laughs> so uh, so. So I re- so yeah so we we became friends through Star Wars Adventures mm. and uh, is that how you think, approach them? Um, how come your stories are the, uh, uh, before mine? What an approach! Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I can't, I can't possibly that. comment. Um, and yeah, then I think it was it was Chicago, wasn't it? It was Star Wars Celebration in Chicago, and yeah. the editor Denton of Star Wars Adventures had a load of us out for an evening. And I think it was in that weird bar that had that. Do you remember the weird bathrooms that you weren't into, like the men's bathroom, and you could? And it was like the women's bathroom mirrors looked at each other, and you could see it was weird. And I just what? remember that night being completely free. It was a really weird thing. So what? you just thought you were. In the, I know. It you was got me just, nervous to go to Chicago. I know it was. It was. I was nervous. I just thought I walked into the wrong bathroom, and it was just this weird double mirror. Thing <laughs> um, and 
I, you know, and also we've been in the bar for a while, so I was slightly, you know, confused. Um, and that's when I met Nick when I was in that slightly confused state. I'd just come out going, what the hell's going on in there? Um, and, and then Nick came at me. Not literally. Yeah. That would have been, that would have been terrifying. That's too funny as well. <laughs> Is that yeah. how you remember it since he was inebriated, if you will? <laughs> I remember like, uh, yeah, it was weird because we all sat around this. There were, there were about, eight of us and, yeah. and we were all sitting around a very small table <laughs> and then and then somebody said so are we going to eat you know and uh and i don't know if it was denton the editor and he said let's yeah. eat and so we, we we had to like start our ordering pizzas and stuff and we we're all sitting around this table and like cabin's <laughs> about eight cabin's about eight feet tall and like uh and tony fleece was <laughs> there and like we were all like Okay, nice to meet you. And you then know. it became this really, um, it became this really, so this is really not interesting to people, but then it was just such a weird night. Then the, so like a party of people came in and it suddenly, t- the, the atmosphere in the bar completely changed. There's all us sort of comic nerds in the corner and suddenly it went really glamorous. There was suddenly yeah. loads of people in really glamorous clothes and us shoving pizza in our mouths, you know. It was just, um, <laughs> It was it was very odd, and then it was That's generally like the day that it it snowed as well, and so you know every, we were just oh, yeah. generally confused by life. You know, it was like everything had changed in the space of a day, and so yeah, it was um that was where. So I will never forget meeting Nick for, for the first time. Small like, tables, just, weird bathroom, yeah. snowing. Yeah. What else could go wrong? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but what could go right, and what went right was I met Nick, uh, and that's hey. where it goes. So when did the conversation <laughs> for this come up? For this wonderful pretty, book, that it was sees. pretty soon afterwards, wouldn't it, Nick? Yeah, really? I, I, I expect it was probably. Was it? Yeah, yeah. It must have been around around that time. No, it, it might have been before, Kevin. Before think? we actually remember. met in person. It might have been. Um, because well, we got talking a lot before we'd actually met in person, mm. and um, you know, kind of struck up a friendship and stuff and mm. i think uh it was you that said hey how'd you fancy doing a creator owned thing mm. and uh, so mm. i said absolutely what what have you got in mind and you off you you had like a few things in mind mm. you had that that space thing and mm-hmm. uh and then uh and then, and you, then you brought this up yeah, and I mean, we talked about this for a long, long time before it actually we put, actually put it yeah. out to people. And we did a full-on pitch with, like, you know, Nick did some sample pages. We got them lettered up and, and loads of concepts of all the different ghosts. I mean, that was the beginning of it, really, because I, I sort of put the basis of the idea over to him. Um, and Nick just started drawing ghosts, and it was amazing. So every day there'd be new new go- weird and wonderful ghosts appearing in my in my inbox, and it, went, it sort of went from there. It was it was refreshing for me because like because we were in in the thick of Star Wars and so uh, you know drawing loads and loads of sci-fi and loads of robots and you know and things yeah. like that so to be presented with a completely other idea was was really uh, exhilarating for me it got my juices going you know so I was just like you know drawing loads of loads of things just because it was you know exciting so. Yeah, and a lot of those ghosts have ended up in the book. Um, you know, every yeah. now and then I, I sort of say because there's a lot of ghosts in this book, um, and every night, every now I say, you know, that, remember that ghost with the horse's head? Why don't we have him here? And and you know, it's um, and some of them have adapted, and some of them are exactly the same as those original designs. There we go. 
So, Kev, I need to know, where in your sick mind did this story come from? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Nick has heard this so many times now. Um, I love... <laughs> I love disaster. You can just go, you can make a cup of tea or something. I'll just, you know, I'll <laughs> um, I love disaster movies. Um, I've always loved disaster movies. I used to watch them with my gran, um, you know, Tower Inferno, Poseidon Adventure being a, nice. a major one. Um, and Poseidon Adventure, I had to watch it for, uh, actually for a Star Wars project. For, there's a big thing I'm involved in called the High Republic, Star Wars, the High Republic. And we had, when we were planning what that was going to be, we we came up with a list of like touchstone movies that we we wanted to reference, and one of them was the Poseidon Adventure. And I was watching it, and I was saying, as I always say, this would be so much better if it had monsters in it. Um, and I love it already, but you know, if you've not seen the Poseidon Adventure, no spoilers. It's about a ship that sinks and a lot of people die. And I started it thinking, does? what would happen? <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> what? What would happen if those people who are drowning as the ship goes down immediately come back as ghosts? And so the people who are fighting to get off the ship and to get off the, you know, get off this sinking ship alive have to then deal with the, you know, the unquiet dead as well. Um, and that was the beginning of what became Dead Seas. And so it was the idea of doing a disaster movie. Um, in a comic form, set on a boat. I'm terrified of water. Um, so it seems the scariest thing for me to be in the middle of international Hello. waters on a big boat that's going down. That's horrific. Um, and into that you throw ghosts as drawn by Nick Brokenshire. Um, so, so yeah, that was the beginning of it. Ooh, 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 ooh. And how did you eat this up, Nick, when, when he brought this up to you? Well, <clears throat> well, here's the bit where I, spout a load of stuff that Kevin's heard as well um I I was very excited by it because um my my family are very involved in seafaring and diving and uh, being on ships and all that oh. sort of thing so like my dad was a deep sea diver he was a he was well known in the oil industry um a deep sea and- diver where wow, that's cool <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's that's why he was in Venezuela, because he was uh, involved in the oil industry over there. So that's why I ended up there when I was a kid. And uh, um, so, yeah, so I was always surrounded by, like, uh, you know, big ships. I was always being taken onto these enormous ships. Um, and uh, my, my sister, um, she became like a, a really well-qualified yachtswoman she can she can navigate a ship around the world single-handedly um and uh, all that kind of stuff so the idea of doing something set you know on the high seas was very exciting for me um and then and you know monsters and ghosts perfect oh yeah and it's something about this book again that, that also i was like oh wow a lot of Latinos in this cast. <laughs> so, uh, Cav, I mean, and, and Nick, you tell me, because I know from Cav, uh, is that a lot of Latinos in the UK? Because where did that inspiration come from? Because you were getting the lingo case, right too, or, or, or did Nick have that, 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 dashing that sasson well, that, that, well, that's the thing. <laughs> so we, when we were discussing, so we spent a lot of time before we even pitched this around, discussing the cast, going through the cast, um, <laughs> working out whether the backstory and, and Nick quite early on, I think again, it was through the art. You'd start to draw these characters and Gus, who's our main, 
main guy there on the cover in the, in the middle, um, he started to appear on some of the art, you know, and he was, you know, he had speech balloons and he was, he was speaking, um, you know, speaking Spanish. And so it was like, who is that? And that's when Nick explained about his background and his family. And that's when we decided to go down that route for Gus's background. And it just opened up so much. And I have, you know, Nick makes me look really good. So what happens is I write a script and I will either put something <laughs> in and the script will say, da, 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 Spanish phrase. And then, you know, and then I will come back to when we, when we letter it and talk to Nick about how we can make, try and make that as authentic as possible. Or sometimes, you know, I've written it with nice. English phrases in. And again, Nick says, well, instead of saying that, why don't we say this? And I trust him completely. That he's, I do, you know, I, at the beginning, I checked some of them, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I trust that, you know, he's like, it was really Google, Google Translate. What is this? So bad. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Um, and so yeah that's where it came from and that's what I love about this book it's a proper collaboration and I, I, I've now forgotten at what point my my ideas you know, start and stop and Nick's start and stop because it's something we, we properly develop together yeah. it shows because I'm, I'm, I was happy I, to see Latina representation in the book I was like whoa look at this, what Spanish phrases as you said I was like whoa this is so cool I was like yeah smiling ear to ear I'm like this team is incredible I'm like Who's the Latino here? What's going on? What, what, is somebody from Cali sign? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I should probably um, I should extend my name. Like I should stick my my mom's maiden name because my my mom's maiden name is Plazas. So I should be I should call myself Broken Shard Plazas so that people know. Um, but uh, that's not like a building yeah, Broken Shard Plazas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm still I'm still uh, waiting for an opportunity to insert uh, El Chapolin Colorado uh, a little bit of uh, his dialogue into oh, yeah. Is there is there any way you could get a comic book of that? Yo? You know, El Chapolin comes <laughs> yeah, right. to the states and teams up with American heroes to solve a crime case. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Yo, I would love, Kevin, yo, bro, uh, if you could make this happen. I'll have to I'll have to tell you about this character. It's okay. like this yes. uh, this 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 Mexican superhero <laughs> from like the uh, early seventies that right. basically everyone in Latin America knows about him. Yeah, and, right. Uh, it's the goofiest thing ever. Funny though. Yes, you will. It's funny. It's like it's goofy. It's funny. It's perfect. It, it, it's it's like the tick before the tick. <laughs> yeah. Type type character. Right. You know. Yeah. It was awesome. Great, great, great. So let's get into this book. I mean, so all right, this cover go this cover or is it you know, obviously you said the the homie with the goatee is, is the uh at least the, the main character. Who's everybody mm-hmm. else? What's going on on this cover? I mean look at the stuff in the background. I see faces, not clouds. Oh my god, creepy. <laughs> Do you wanna talk talk it through, Nick? Sure. Um well we've got um Gus there in the in the foreground. We've got uh, Isa, who's uh, this uh, kind of do-gooding daughter of the boss man who's sticking her nose in where it doesn't belong. We've got Strixon, who's the mean-looking dude up at the top. We've got um, Brooks, who is the uh, the the tough. Um, uh, uh, well, I forgot her name. I for- forgot what she is. What, what is she? She's a guard. She's a, so she's, yeah, so both Strix and Brooke are guards on the um, on the ship. So the perdition is a prison ship. So to, for people who don't know anything about this book, we're in a world where ghosts are real, as you can see throughout the cover. There are a lot of ghosts, um, and people have lived with ghosts for years. But co- big companies like Barraco, who own this ship, 
have discovered that ectoplasm, which ghosts leave behind because we're massive Ghostbuster mm-hmm. fans, um, is a bit of a miracle drug and it can be used to cure so many different things. But it's really dangerous to get hold of because to get hold of it, you need to be in a ghost and ghosts have a habit of driving people insane. So what they do is they really shovel like- the ghosts, they shovel the ghosts onto a ship. And they send in prisoners, convicts, saying, we will reduce your sentence if you go and scrape this shit off the walls. Um, and Gus there, he is desperate to get home and see his little girl. Um, he's missed so much of her growing up. Um, and so he takes this, he takes this job. He's like, I'm going to go on this ship, going to keep my head down and I'm going to just do what I need to get off it. He doesn't realize how dangerous it's going to be. And also people like Strixon, what a nightmare they, they are. And yeah, as Nick said, in the middle of this, Isa, who's the, the daughter of the person who owns the prison ship, she has got a problem with her family. She's coming in and looking around. She thinks conditions are bad. She doesn't like it. She's trying to do a bit of an expose on her own family because she's fallen out with them. Um, and again, she has no idea what she's about to walk into because there are problems on the ship that go beyond just some safety issues. You know, the, the ghosts, they keep escaping, they keep getting out, they keep infecting people, they keep possessing people. Um, and this ship has become the worst possible place to be in the middle of a storm, which obviously hits as soon as they're all so, on board. Two things here. Two things here. You said it first, it goes to this fan, so I might have to say it. So is yeah. this boat like a giant ghost trap? And secondly, yes. how did you come up with the idea of the ectoplasm actually having some type of value other than being a nasty slime that that you just discard? Well, I just thought it was, you know, again, I had to find a reason why there would be people. I I didn't want us to, you know, there was a ship and it was, it was haunted. I wanted to be a reason they would have all these ghosts there. Um, And I was just thinking, you know, you look at any bit of news, you look at, you know, as soon as there's anything that looks like a sniff of a, you know, a, a miracle cure. All the big pharmacy companies are in there and they're making the money off of it. And I thought that's what would happen in this world. If there was this thing where ghosts are suddenly real and they're everywhere. And, you know, we've, we see in the beginning of this issue, um, Gus's daughter can't go to sleep because her grandma's come to, you know, sing her a lullaby and she comes <laughs> every night. And her grandma's been dead for, two, you know, a year and a half. So, oh, um, you know, they're oh, having girl. to live with this. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, and Gus is going, go to bed, go to bed. And she's like, Puppy, I can't. I can't go to bed because she's back. And <laughs> the um, love of God, please, you know, can I put a guest yeah, yeah. sleep under the bed? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, you, you try and think in this kind of world, there would be people who would try and monetize all this. And so that's, that's yes, where it came did. from. And again, it's going back to the idea that, you know, prisoners throughout time have done a lot of things that no one else wanted to do because they do it to, you know, to, keep their nose clean and get out of the other side and, and all that. So, um, and when you do it on a ship, you ain't got anywhere to go other than the water. So, uh, apparently, and I can't swim, so I'm actually really screwed if I was there. Yes. So, talk yeah. about this cover right here. Yo, look at that, because I can see the, in the shadow. Again, it, it's something that's so minutes, you know, against, unless you really look, you don't see it. I was like, whoa, that's so dope. Yeah. I'm in love with this cover. This is the work of the great Ariane Dito, who is the artist I work with on the High Republic for Marvel. Um, and yeah. so, um, basically every time I do a book, I try and get Ario to do some covers and he's gonna, he's wonderfully doing a cover for a variant for each of the issues. And each oh, one nice. of his covers has a reflection in it because, you know, water and, and you know, so sometimes yeah. it's in water, sometimes it's in glass and he's showing one of the characters 
being menaced by a ghost through the reflection and um you just wait i mean this one's beautiful and this is the um this yeah. is on my phone this is like the you know the the the, the, the lock screen yeah. um but the <laughs> stuff we've got coming is ripples. incredible yeah yeah and i, I mean and i just love the way i love ario draws eyes like no one else and you know the way gus is looking yeah. at us there you know it's it's amazing yeah, there's a story there behind gus's eyes but let's start looking yeah. at how dope Nick's art is, all this dope paneling, lettering, your team, everyone, because look how gorgeous. There's this first page, boom. And to be honest, when I saw this, I was thinking, oh, was it Day of the Dead? You know, that, that, that building scene? <laughs> I started seeing, oh, yeah. I'm seeing that scene, I'm thinking zombies, something, okay, it's going to be like some day, there's shit going on here, what's going on? So this is great. This is obviously what I get like immediately happy. Like, oh man, Latino characters, something that not often seen. So thank you again, guys. But look at this. Beautiful panel work, beautiful coloring, artistry. Look at that building, bro. That looks like something straight out of New York. Like the building I'm at right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy drawing that. I, <clears throat> anyone that knows me knows that I like drawing buildings that have water towers um <laughs> so like uh, it's just a, i just like it so um like that i think it's probably I why i like daredevil comics yeah right i work um, yeah well i worked a job where oh you do customer was that i worked a job here once in new york where uh one of oh, our right. customers was actually the company that made those water towers that made wow. about 80 oh, wow. percent of the water towers in new york and how about funny. that there we go. I mean, for me, it just it, nothing says an American city more than a water tower on top of the building. It's what we used, to, yeah. what we used to yeah. see everywhere. And here we go. Here's Ooh. our first ghost. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. Talk about the inspiration here, Nick. Why do you draw a ghost in this form? Because this is like no ghost I've ever seen. Um, the idea. I mean, we we definitely did take a bit of inspiration from Ghostbusters. Um. Because what one of the things I remember when I when we when I first saw Ghostbusters as a kid, it was like, why are these ghosts? These ghosts look more like monsters, you know, than than people, you know. Like Slimer doesn't look like a person; he just looks like a weird oh, yeah. monster. Um, and uh, and I think you know, like one one of the one of the words that sticks in my head is manifestations. Mm. And uh, to me, it's like mm. our ghosts aren't just shades of people they're manifestations of some psychic situation that may have been going on when they died or before they died and it's that manifestation that becomes twisted into whatever form they 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 take um and so like whatever screwy shit is going on in grandma's head um is what has caused caused this appearance you know um so does that make sense? Yes, yes, I understand. Yeah. Stuff it's, it's it's all a mind yeah. and that is screwy. Because man, if I would yeah. eat that look like that, Jesus Christ! <laughs> and I just, yeah, I mean, it's, it's that it's that thing of that it's poor sweet. kid. I mean, you, you know, she's saying so matter of factly, she's come back again, and that's what I loved about this page when Nick delivered <laughs> it. It was just like this poor kid can't go to bed every night because that's waiting for her in her bedroom. You know, that's yeah, it, yeah. It, there's a great jump scare in the movie scene as well. <laughs> like, yeah. like, oh, damn. 
And then the colours as well. You know, we one of the things we we did go back and look at a lot of ghosts in different yeah, yeah. things. And um, my favourite book is A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. And you know, there's a line in there that is just tiny in the that when when he first sees Marley, Scrooge first sees Marley, he says that he he glowed like a, a bad lobster in a cellar glow green like a bad lobster <laughs> so i was obsessed with like the ghosts have to have that kind of like you know when you get you used to get action figures that were glow in the dark and you oh, know yes, and yes. they gave that kind of really weird green glow um yeah that's what i wanted every ghost to look like and so i think i mean that's why again nick's coloring it because nick does all the coloring as well in this nick's doing everything on the art you know he, he's doing the pencils the inks the coloring um Whoa, so, really? so yeah Damn, i man. love it Chacho, muchacho. You putting in that work then, like that. In the hours. Yeah, bro. So, is, is this your first time doing all the work like that, or is this something you, that you just prefer to work this way? Yeah, it's it's just always panned out that way. Like I, I ended up, I when I first started, I was just doing everything because because I was an indie creator and I just did everything, and then. Like whenever, whenever I was given a job, it, I was always given the option to, to do it myself. So I did. Um, yeah, it's it's just always the way it's panned out. In fact, I've got my first, my first pro job is coming up where I'm only penciling is coming up for the first time in however many years. But yeah, I Are just you always excited? do it all. <laughs> yeah. I'm worried. Don't be worried, okay. man. Cause, uh, no one's gonna mess up those pencils. Can't. I mean, beautiful work. Look at you rocking it. Yeah, and look at the panel usage. Because here you do like this whole full page thing, but then within the full page, you could still put in five panels of story. Beautifully done, y'all. And so those uh-huh. There, there is an element of being from British comics as well. We're used to British comics having a lot more panels on than than um, American comics, largely because they're bigger, you know. So you know, yeah. most British comics are eight or eight foot, you know, proper magazine size. So, and you know, and I do think sometimes I, I, I sort of like suggest stuff for the page, and I'm like, God, am I making Nick cram so too much into it? But he always <laughs> does such a great job because I think that's our background, that's where we come from, that's what we we know, and. Um, it's taken me a while to, you know, the stuff I do for DC and Marvel, sometimes I have to sort of think, oh, hang on, I've got to do this with, you know, five panels or less sometimes because that's what they ask for. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you can get so much storytelling. And and what I love about this as well is like that first panel there, I'm pointing at my screen like everyone can see what I'm pointing at. Um, <laughs> and you've got Gus, Gus sitting looking at a picture of his daughter yeah. there. And you've got all those prisoners on that helicopter. And it feels so claustrophobic from the off. I know it's one of the things we really wanted this book to feel. You know, these people cannot get away from each other. They can't get away from the ghosts. They definitely mm. can't get away from the ship. So, you know, there was a lot of thought went into that about how, you know, the it would feel tight. Um, and then when you get, you know, big splashes, it's going to make a massive difference. And I'm a fan of a lot of panels and stuff on pages. Don't you worry. <laughs> I grew up on <laughs> Savage Soda Corner and the old school, so... Yeah, like, yes, yeah, I, yeah. I, I love, I, I love to get the value for my money. I don't want to pick up a comic book and be able to put it down in ten minutes and be like, okay. Because they were oversized as well, weren't they? Conan was oversized. Oh yeah, Conan it, was really? magazine yeah, yeah. size, Savage Sword. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was... Same with um, like um, the Tomb of Dracula and things like that, wasn't it? So yes, it's like, yes, yeah, yes. It's, um, yeah. Yes, I'm a fan of the difference. I, I grew up collecting things that are much more 
different. Like, I, I enjoy my Marvel in DC, but if I found some things outside of that, I will always be attracted to that more. Like mm. for some odd reason, oh, this doesn't look typical. Everybody's talking about this, but what's this? That's how my mm. mentality was. I still yeah. am to this day. I'm still the indie guy out of my group of friends. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Oh man. Oh. Oh God. The, how the much fun did you have with this, bro? Because look at this ship. Dude. Yeah, I, I had a lot oh, yeah. of fun with this. That those colors as well, those those are a little uh, a little tribute to my dad. Um because uh, he he used to one of one of the sh- the ships that he used to be a boss of was called the Stena Sea Spread. And uh and those were the colors of his ship. So uh okay. so that's why I colored them like that. Dude, look yeah. at that! Though. Amazing, amazing. Reminds me of ha- uh, that I wanted the OGI Joe uh, ship. Remember that was the yeah. Side of the oh yeah. Up. I tell you another thing. Like <laughs> uh, it's it's interesting to see this this artwork now because um, one wow. of the things that um, one of the things that you'll may, perhaps notice as as the story gets more and more crazy and frenetic and things start getting weirder, the art. The art kind of reflects it a little bit. It gets looser and a little bit more jagged and a little mm-hmm. bit more okay. just wild, basically. At this stage, the energy still changes kind of such as with the guns. Yeah, yeah what, for sure. What I, I love on this page is that, um, and again, this people won't know this. This little dude at the, the, the in the last panel mopping the deck. Um, he was the hero of our little preview that we put together to try and sell the book. We did like a six, seven page um, little opening didn't we nick and it was okay. it was him meeting the ghost for the first time which isn't in the book yeah. um so it's like almost like a deleted scene now but he's there and you can see what it did to him um, will we ever um, but, will we ever see that deleted scene at some I point know, in a little be, ash can do like an exclusive you know convention only ash can with that Ooh, we see, could there's yeah. an idea there but, yeah Some good i mean because it was interesting there because Nick, um, every t- everything Nick does, every new project, he, he adapts his style, style slightly as well. So actually, the style of the preview that we did isn't—it doesn't really look like this, does it? So it's um, it's, it's obviously Nick, but it's slightly it's slightly different. You know, it, this was definitely taking it in a different direction. Dig it, and folks, this is what you got to do. Uh, you know, we're going to continue talking for a minute, but folks, with the follow uh, cab right there, link tree that's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Follow Nick yeah. right there. Focus on Twitter and they can discover that season more. IDW publishing, of course, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, that, that's where it's at, all right? So, what's popping here? So, how many issues are we getting of Dead Seas? Uh, is yeah, it uh, ongoing? Getting... Is it a limited? What the limited, but it's six issues for this arc. Okay. Um, you know, whether we can, we'll see where it goes after that. But yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a six issue story, it's a complete story as well. So, you know, you're going to get. A, a proper, you know, as I said, we we're we're looking at it like a disaster movie in the in a comic, um. So it's a it's a proper movie length feature story, um. And yeah, but that sort of opens the world up. But yeah, it's been great as well. You know, it's been brilliant working with IDW on this because we've done a lot of work um, for IDW on various things. I've done a lot of things with Transformers, Back to the Future, Star Wars with them. Yes. And get, to give a chance to do something in you know, our original with them, and they've been great because we we originally pitched it four issues. They went, no, you need six, and we were like, yes, thank you very much. You know, so it was <laughs> immediately. Yes, from more immediately, panel. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Nick, I mean, Cavs you know, says he has more panels. panels. Nick, not so much. Like, oh my God, yeah, yeah. God, no more panels. But <laughs> it's great to have, you know, to have a publisher who obviously we work with. We they know us and we know them. But to to give a story more space to breathe, especially a story like this, yes. because you've got to, you know, any kind of disaster story, you need to get to love those characters. You know, you need to really want them to survive. You know, so when they, because not all of them will. Spoilers. Um, you know, that's you need to make me cry, Cav. You need to yeah, get me exactly. in the heart. Like, no, you killed this person. How dare you? You know, and then you get that Twitter hate mail. You start getting yeah. that hate on oh, Twitter. Like, oh my god, Cav. How dare I watch you Star kill Wars. this? Person? I'm definitely used to that. <laughs> yeah, man. I can't imagine. I'm so sorry. What's Kevin? Kevin, what's the name of what's the name of the uh, of the city of the city that gets attacked in the second book in your book in the High Republic book? Oh, Valo. Um, yeah, yeah, it, va, va, yeah. They, they call Kevin the butcher of. Oh no, no, they don't actually. No, no. <laughs> they, 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 yeah. but they do. I get blamed for everything on those books, and all I did was kill one beloved Jedi. Jedi, and um, <laughs> that had a yeah, big impact. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the funny thing was, around that time that was coming out, I tweeted about two years before. I was writing a Transformers Back to the Future mashup to get back to mashups for IDW, oh. and it was a uh, you know it was one of those crazy jobs. They come on, do you want to write a Transformers? I've always I've been a Transformers fan since I was a kid. I'm on the shelf Great. behind me, and I was like, yeah, but I haven't really got time. They went, well, what if it was a Transformers story that was also a mashup of Back to the Future and the DeLorean was a Transformer? And I was like. Yeah, I've got to do that. And so it, yes, was, like, it was in his own little continuity. And it meant I could kill anyone. And so I tweeted, and, and you know, one of the major sort of OG um, Transformers dies in this in this mashup. Yeah. Um, and I tweeted, I've just killed a beloved character, and I feel, feel upset. And so many people come at me with that. For, so anything I do is like, is it this one you're killing? It's like, and I keep saying, no, it's... I'll show you who I killed. I'll show you the page. But when the Rising Storm, this novel came out, um, everyone found that tweet because everyone thought that was that was what I was talking about. But oh, but no, I fun. was talking about an Autobot. Oh, too <laughs> fun, yeah. Oh, and I'm a, and I'm a Transformers fan too. I'm a villains mm-hmm. guy though. Um, obviously, in this creepy basement, I mean, I don't have my stuff showing yet, but uh, mm-hmm. I have a ton of Megatrons and sound waves. Oh, I, do, I got a. Um, can I show you my Megatron I got the other day? Can I show you? You have a Megatron the other day? Uh, please don't tell me you got the one I want. Oh, God. This guy's about to show us up. Oh. So this, this, is, this isn't an official Megatron. This is a third part. Sorry, Nick. Um, so basically, with Transformers, you get third party Transformers as well, which are yeah. basically yeah, bootlegs and fun. And this is yeah, a, it's a, gl- it's a glorified bit of fan art of what Megatron would have looked like in the Bumblebee movie. And I didn't know wow. he was going to be this big when he arrived the other day. And I've got to put batteries on him because his, his, his cannon lights up and his eyes light up. And he does transform. I haven't done it yet. So, oh, um, dude. I'm so jealous. It's amazing. Right he's awesome. Wow. And um, I'm wow. also worried he's going to fall off the shelf because he's really heavy. <laughs> so I'm just going to pop wow. him there. Um, but yeah. Wow. Um, I could I could go down so, so many I could go down so many rabbit holes with them, and every now and then I buy one, and then I go I'm not looking anymore. But um, yeah, yeah, it happens cool. to me too. I thought that I was going to buy toys again, and then I go to a store and I go, God, and I walk out with a bag. I'm like, shit. Oh, yeah. 
What about you, Nick? You know, I got into, I, I got the geeky side out of him. Do you have a geeky thing that you love that, that you bought recently? Oh boy, um, I, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't buy the toys. I buy toys for my kid, but um, I've. Uh, I, oh my kid! What do you buy for you though? <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I, I think I had a bad experience with toys because, like, where I used to collect, you know, Star Wars figures and everything because I'm a Star Wars nut and uh, my mum gave them all away uh, when I when I moved oh. away when I moved away so like when I came back and it was like where yeah, are mommy. all my things you know she'd given all the stuff that. away so I've kind of, I, I know yeah I had the same thing my mum gave but, away my my um um castle grace girl I've never forgiven her you know it was like there was the worst thing there is yeah yeah there's a picture of me I, I'll find oh. it and stick it on Twitter um of when I'm a kid and I'm reading Super, um, Secret Wars, the British version of Secret Wars, um, in my front garden, and you can see in the corner my Castle Grayskull on the corner of the patio, and so I see that picture, and it makes me even sadder because I know that I still have the comic <laughs> that I'm reading in my hands, but Castle Grayskull, uh... you know, Skeletor could not destroy Castle Grayskull, but my mum could, in the sweep of one uh... hand, and I came back from uni and went, where's Castle Grayskull? She went, oh, you don't want that, I got rid of it. I'm like, no! Uh... Yeah. Th- these are what yeah. I collect, Al. These are what ah, I collect. There you go. Oh, oh, look at that. That's pretty. See, that's yeah. you know, What's it's probably that? more useful than my big Megatron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do use it. Um, yeah. In fact, uh, I'll be using it at the next Star Wars celebration. Boom. Because mm. um, yeah. Al, I play, I play in a, I as well as you know, doing Star Wars comics, I play in a. In a Star Wars rock band called Blues Harvest, so we uh, we do lots of it. Yeah, so we we do we've we've done the last three celebrations. We do like the five hundred first show, like all the big parties that they throw. We play all like Star Wars music and eighties music and Back to the Future music and everything. It's good stuff. Amazing. Amazing! Just I love it. So you, you, you buy you buy guitar. I just buy two. I mean, my entire desk is just full of like. There's a David <laughs> from the Lost Boys. There's a, a oh, you do you guys? Look at this guy. Yeah, yeah. Look, look, at, look at that. Look at I him. am so it's, mad it's, that they're trying to remake um, that movie. Leave it alone, it's, please. Oh, wow. It's oh, even got so his cool. hand, his hands on fire. Where's it got? Where's my I camera? I see. Look? Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, and then oh, I've wow. got Haw- Hawkman, and it's just like everywhere. I can't move from for. Um, How do you get any writing done? He probably plays with the toys all day. <laughs> I play with the toys all day, basically. Well, I've actually got an office that I go to to work that has nothing, because otherwise I'm just sitting here fiddling with playing with Lego and stuff. Ah, oh, too yeah. fine. Too I t- fine. I've got right, some well, good toys, but they're stashed away. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, but it's like me. I got some great stuff too. I like uh, my Voltron and my Optimus and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I get, gotta get my toys back out. But folks, this is what this is about right here. That sees number one is gonna be in shops next month. So you got the diamond code right there. It's also on uh, the link below. You know, show the love. Requests from your shops. Trust me, you're gonna want this. And this is the holiday season. So you, you folks that are looking for stuff for the geek in your life. Check out this book. And it's the number one. You know, get them the whole series. Go to that shop. Sign up for the whole joint because you're going to love it, all right? And then you got to follow Kevin right here on Twitter at Kevin Scott, all right? Very simple. Visit his website at kevinscott.com. 
please follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Brokenshire. All right. And of course, follow his website as well. Right there, you can see some art at nickbrokenshire.bigcartel.com. And what was that other website you were talking about? Uh, just nickbrokenshire.co.uk. Just .co.uk. There you go. You heard. So two, uh, just two things, three things before we go. First up, let mm-hmm. me say a thank you. Thank you from a fan to you creators. Thank you for being awesome and sharing your work with us and, and entertaining us and not being afraid to put your visions out there. Like Cav, you know, getting threatened. Like, oh, my God, you killed so-and-so. How dare you? You know what? <laughs> they ain't hate us all love, man. Because You make us feel. So that means you're doing an amazing job. God bless you both, mm-hmm. man. Much success in the, you know, in, in the future and more. Um, secondly, advice. What type of advice would you give anyone? You know, trying to step into the game first. Uh, I'll start with Kat from a writer's perspective. I mean, so I mean, it's harder sometimes to get for a writer to show their stuff because you need an if you can't actually need an artist, and if you can't draw like I can't, you know, you've got to, you've got to work. So I think probably the most important thing to do is to learn how to work as a part of a team. You know, because writers are quite solitary, and in comics you can't be. You know, and I'm a firm believer that it's all teamwork. It's all collaboration. I mean, my scripts to Nick, they're just for Nick, really. They're not for anyone else. You know, it's letters to Nick saying, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? Um, And I think that's the best thing you can, if you want to work in comics, you need to learn to work as part of the team, to work with the editors, to work with, the you know, every part of the creative um, team. Um, So, yeah, go and meet people. Go meet artists. Work out how you want to work with people. Work out how you can work with people. Because, you know, that's that's what you need if you want to make it in comics. There you go. And now from my artist perspective, what about you, Nick? Um, from the artist perspective, I'd say if you, want to, if you want to make comics or if you want to be in comics, you've got to make comics, um, especially as an artist. You know, you can't wait for people to to you know to sort of give things to you you've got to if for if for any reason you can't find a writer if you can't find a publisher or you feel that you know you want to do something just get on with it and do it yourself and like the more the more you can do like find a collaborator or a writer the more that you can get organized yourself the more you will learn um and the more outside forces like publishers will take note of you. Mm. Whereas, um, you know, I think perhaps a lot of artists, you know, they sit in their rooms and they do lots of art and they throw it out there and hope that, hope that something will come to them. But you need to know, you need to figure out how to make comics Mm. uh, so that the comics makers can trust you to make their comics, if that makes sense. And that's what people are looking for in comics. They're looking for people who who have the passion to create a story and get through to the end of it. I think we all that's it's it. all really easy to start. You know, starting's easy. Yeah. Coming up with ideas for characters is relatively easy. It's then seeing it through a story and showing you can tell a story and it will it will land the ending. Um, and yeah. that's what that's what editors are looking for. That's what readers are looking for. So you know, it, Nick's right. You just got to go out there and make stuff. Because making stuff is how we all do this, and and not be afraid of 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 making stuff that perhaps isn't as good as you think it could be. Mm. You know what I mean? Because we all tend to have a taste level that is slightly above our ability. So mm. so basically, just make stuff, and if it's not quite as good as you like, finish it and start the next thing, and that's how yeah. you get good. And so you yeah. you just you just just keep going, and then people will go, 
this guy's doing it, you know. So uh, that's how you do it. True. There you go. You hear that, folks? Grandpa, that's great advice. You know, listen, listen to these boys right here. And, and, and lastly, what shows? Are you guys doing any shows for the rest of this year or anything planned for early next year where we could see you guys and then maybe even hopefully pick up, get some signed copies of this baby? Well, that's um, number one. I'm done for 2022 and it's marvelous, you know, so I'm not doing any more shows for this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, I know it is just like, Oh, it's just so wonderful. Um, uh, I, I love cons and I love, you know, and I miss them so much when we couldn't do them, but I'm also very yeah. much looking forward to the end of the year and, you know, just having some time. Um, but then next year, I, mean, I suppose the, the big one yeah. straight off the back is Star Wars celebration, which is in London this year. Um, so I'm not going to be jet lagged for the first time yeah. in years at celebration. Um, I'm definitely going to be yeah. at San Diego next year. Um, and then, yeah, there'll be announcements soon of some stuff in between. So yeah, but they're, they're the two big ones for next year so far. Um, and probably New York Excellent. as well. I'll throw that one in there. I actually, yeah, I've got a, where you can hear me screaming weapon. Oh okay. yeah. I'll come in your suitcase, Kevin. Um, okay. I'll, uh, uh, I need to come to New York. Um, I, uh, I'm doing a signing on, get this, on Christmas Eve of, wow. uh, of, of Dead Seas, um, one, of, one of the local shops in, up here in near Manchester has, uh, has set up a signing so that, so that everybody, so that all the nerds can get their last minute shopping and I can do hey, them some pictures. And Christmas is the time for ghost stories. And, you know, exactly. and Christmas Eve traditionally. So obviously Americans have Halloween and we're getting more and more Halloween over here. Traditionally for ghost stories in Britain, it's for Christmas Eve. That's the time when ghosts are oh, present really? everywhere. Cool. That's the time the British people believe that ghosts are, it's easier to come back as a ghost at Christmas Eve. We used to have a tradition. We used to have ah. the ghost story for Christmas, which was on telly every, every year, a really scary ghost story. It had nothing to do with Christmas, but it was like one of the last things that was shown on Christmas Eve. So <laughs> Christmas Eve signing for Dead Seas is perfect. There you go. And then we, oh, and then awesome. celebration yeah, next yeah, year. Yeah, I'll be there. there. Awesome. Sorry, yes. Yay, so Star Wars Celebration. Star Wars Celebration UK. Yeah. All right. But we got to see more Comic Con. We need high copies of this. And hopefully, get yeah, to yeah, meet both of you guys in person here. There, in the there, there will be. All right. It got to happen. It got to happen. Yeah. But yeah, after the comic book, this is going to be either a TV show or a movie that you guys got to start producing and all. So it's going to be crazy, you know? Well, you know, it would be great if there. It would be great if there's a Dead Sea TV show or film. You have to watch this space. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Let's just get it. We're going to get it done. We're going to get it done. Thank you, Cav. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, everybody that's Thanks, tuned Kyle. in. I appreciate Thanks, you guys. The links are all below. So the love, so the love. You know what it is. Follow Max and the family over undercovercapes.com. You know what it is. Hasta la próxima, mi gente. Hasta la Thank you for listening to the Comic Crusaders podcast. If you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCapes.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today. 